In, in lightning. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with, with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akima, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. And Lakeshe Nadira, she's the Empress who tells it like it is. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. This is Akila, and joining me are my fellow co-hosts, Hakima and Lakishe Nadira. This is our final episode of 2018, and this time we are answering your questions. So let's get started with Ask the Royal Empress. So ladies, we received quite a few listener questions, and we can only get to a few, but for our listeners, if you have more questions, send them in via our questionnaire and we will likely have another show where we can answer more of your questions or we may just answer them online. Did you ladies read over the questions? What were your thoughts? I read over them. I thought they were some good questions. Some I thought it would be uh, lead to a great discussion. And then some I thought, whoa, wow, this is... This is a deep question. We're going to really be having a conversation on that one. So I thought it was some very good questions overall. Some of them almost sound like they they need a podcast all to themselves. But (laughs) yes, 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 this is true. Which can lead, which it it can lead to it. We can just say this, this, this topic was inspired by one of our Ask the Royal Empress questions. Great way to start off a podcast topic, don't you think? I would agree. Yeah, so do I. I think the questions were um, really good. And I was, you know, I was, I'm always excited to hear what our listeners are thinking. I know that we have some beautiful minds, both our sisters and brothers, our emperors, as well as our empresses. So for me to hear the questions, I'm like, oh, this is, this is nice. This is cool. This is good. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready. So speaking of emperor, I think this sounds like a question from a man. So let's go with the uh-huh. emperor question. <laughs> and the question, so it's anonymous. We don't have a name. So the person asked, they're just curious. If a woman could be in a relationship with a man, who does not believe in God. I keep running into ladies asking for a God-fearing man, not even sure what that means. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Empress Akima. 
Can you read wow. that question one more time? I just want to make sure that I'm understanding it. Just curious if a woman could be in a relationship with a man who does not believe in God. I keep running into ladies asking for a God-fearing man, not even sure what that means. I like to answer that one. Okay. I mean, you think of God-fearing, that means someone who's living by God's rules, someone ha that has a moral consciousness. So when a woman says she wants a God-fearing man, she says she wants a righteous man. She wants a man that is conscious of God's rules, God's regulations, or how to live God's principles. She don't want to, she basically don't want no man of the world. That's what she's saying. If you're a worldly man, you're not what she's looking for. I couldn't understand why. Yeah, I, I couldn't, me personally, as I, I consider myself a God-fearing woman, a righteous woman. I couldn't be in a relationship with a man that's not God-fearing because what would be the principles of our relationship? What would be the building blocks? What would be his purpose in life? What would be his direction? And what would be his opinion on me? Because a God-fearing man sees value in his woman. He sees her as a helpmeet. But a man that's not God-fearing and does not look at woman as being valuable, if God does, then what is my purpose with you and why am I with you in a, in a relationship? That's, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Okay. <laughs> it's like, how do you even follow that up? Seriously. When he says, what does that mean? I think you just explained what it means. And, you know, I'm wondering, even though the listener didn't ask, I'm wondering if he's seeing women who don't appear to really be living by God's law themselves who are requesting a God-fearing man. And maybe that's what he's questioning is why are you asking something of me that I don't see exhibited in you? And I think we do see that. We see a lot of women say, I want a God-fearing man. I want a God-fearing man. But yet they at the club drunk on a regular basis, going out, kicking it, partying. You know, I mean, I see that. Although I see righteous women looking for God-fearing men too. But I just wonder if, if that's what it kind of stems from, is that you're seeing someone ask for something that you don't see them exhibiting yourself. Well, God is force and power. So if that woman is not exemplifying a righteous woman and she's saying she wants a God-fearing man, she needs somebody. She's looking for a Jesus. She needs somebody to rescue her from this world she's looking for someone who can help her to help pull her because she's not strong enough because by nature we're a man's not supposed to follow us we're a follower man he's our leader we're not his leader so she's looking for a leader she's saying i need a leader in my relationship i need a leader in my household i need someone to help lead me because i'm not strong enough to to get on that journey, that path to God by myself. I need to be with someone else. So I think that's the perfect uh, perfect example of a woman who needs a God-fearing man. So for if a man to hear that, he's saying, oh, I know what she's asking for. She may not know how to ask for it. Consciously, she don't know how to ask for it, but subconsciously, her nature knows how to ask for it. And that's what I, that's what I believe that she's ask, asking. I agree with you. <laughs> now, in the first part of the question, it asks if a woman could be in a relationship with a person who was not God-fearing, right? Does not believe in God. Does not believe in God. So just in just dealing with the question alone, absolutely. 
Because we see people in relationships every single day with people who have absolutely no belief system. So yes, um, she can, and so can a man. That's not necessarily something for me that I would be comfortable with because there needs to be some type of um, stability or foundation. And that, for me, that's what having a relationship that's rooted in the spirit, uh, in the essence of the one that created us, it helps to guide the relationship and it helps for the relationship to, you know, you have a, a, a source, you have something that you can refer back to. But the question in and of itself, I mean, we see it every day. And I believe this is why many people find themselves lost, possibly, because they may be caught up in the form and the fashion and not necessarily caught up in the root and the spirit. So you have something that has a body but is void of the spirit of God. So it's like asking, can a person be in a relationship with Casper the Friendly Ghost? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But where is Casper realistically going to take you to? Hell? (laughs) Maybe. Or purgatory. They're just going to be in limbo. (laughs) Just in limbo, right. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And again, this is no disrespect for people who don't have a belief in God. It's not, um, because I do understand that there may be many people who may be in our listening audience who may be atheists or who may not have a belief in God. Um, And so we definitely respect your views. But just in asking the question, yes, there can be. Um, But for me, that's not necessarily something that I could be a part of. Now, then the other part of the question, you know, what exactly is that my other two empresses have pretty much answered, you know, the question. So I don't think it's necessary for me to, you know, go any further with that. But I think it's a wonderful question. And uh, it leads to a lot of thought. And I think that if before, because you do hear it a lot, you know, I want a guy fear a man. (laughs) It's usually the first thing that people put (laughs) when they write out their requirements in certain situations, not all, not all. And it's funny to me because I think oftentimes that's just a cliche. Mm. I don't think it's something that people really, it just sounds good. Because you, you wouldn't sound quite right if you said you didn't want a God-fearing man. I don't want no God-fearing man. <laughs> How would that sound? So I think people just <laughs> say it, but do they really mean it? You know, what exactly, like you said, what does that mean? I want a God-fearing man. And uh, Dr. Akeem, I think you made an excellent point. Most women are interested in having someone to come and save them. And so therefore, um, they, and this is why I think a lot of women, we find in religious households, I mean, not households, but religious uh, places of worship, find themselves so attracted to their preacher and their 
um, pastor or whatever, you know, and, and I've heard this a lot in relationships, you know, especially from coming from men who get very upset when that woman comes home, talk about what pastor said. Well, pastor said such and such a so-and-so. And it's like, he's like, well, damn, it's pastor. They're going to pay these bills. It's pastor, you know. But what that comes from is that woman who is seeking for someone to save her, which that's a, that's a different topic. And maybe we'll have that topic in the future. Mm. Because yes, we need that, to have can that, you, that can take you many places because you don't want to, you know, I, I personally, I don't feel that you should be looking for your man, your mate. This is me. I don't believe you should be looking for your man to be a savior to you in that way. I think it's unfair. Should he protect you? Absolutely. Should he provide for you? Absolutely. Should he take care of the things that he should take care of within the household? Should he be a companion to you? Yes. But to save you, what is he saving you from? All right. Next question. So, next question. Next question. Caller, you're on the air. I'm just joking. <laughs> Here is a question from one of our wonderful fans who who I feel is just you know you all know who it is when I say one of one of our number one fans Dr. Lauren Meeks okay, she says okay. I have no preference yeah. on anonymity but here's my question <laughs> <laughs> what what strategies have you used to maintain balance while having knowledge of self and functioning in a society that has tempted to condition you to be inferior? And this question is for all three ladies, as you all work, build businesses, and raise families in an oppressive society. Guess I'll go first. <laughs> okay. I think uh, for me, I, I list three things, and the number one for me is prayer. Um, it, it, scripture says, if it was not for our prayers, God would not care for us. In order for you to survive in this society, to keep your sanity, to protect your spirit, you have to be in constant contact with him. That's your protection. He's that fulcrum on that scale. The fulcrum is that piece that helps bring the balance when something is being weighed. Well, our faith is is our faith needs to be weighed, weighed. We need to ensure that we are in balance. So constant conversation. With, with God helps me. Lord help, you know, I could be, Lord help me because I'm, I'm about to give somebody a pumpkin head. You know, I have, I have to call on them, bring me that balance because this world will try you. And if you're not in contact with him, if you're not trying to live according to his law, you will be off base. The second thing for me is studying because studying keeps my focus on scripture, on, on religious principles, on wisdom, truth, knowledge. And the last, the last thing for me is just the support from family and friends. I don't like to surround myself with knuckleheads or people who don't have knowledge or who are not quote unquote God fearing. So for me, 
to have that type of people around me helps me make sound decisions. And when I say a sound decision, a sound decision means a good decision. So I need people around me that can say, listen to what you just said. That don't make no sense. Or, you know what? I think you, you already got the answer. You just need someone to reinforce that that's the right answer, but you already got it. Sometimes you have the answer. You just need to have that voice to say, you got it. You got it. That person that you trust, that person that you know comes with sound advice and sound guidance that you know when you talk to them, you're going to leave from them with the right perspective. And so those are the three um, principles that I live by to help me keep balance in this society that tries me spiritually each and every day. You know, that sounded like your challenges to me. <laughs> that sounded like my challenges. I'm the challenger. I just I know, I'm always challenge it. I was I was reading Minister Ava's book and it was challenges all through that book. I said, now I see why I'm always challenging people. <laughs> Hilarious. So for me to answer that question, I'm gonna say definitely making for me making a lot sufficient. And that's kind of where I go in general. That's first and foremost. So I think that that involves prayer, that involves that, that strong belief in, in that how, higher power to keep myself grounded and to understand, at least for me, that, you know, I guess I always think that this too shall pass. That's the first, I mean, I think that's first and foremost. That's, that's front and center for me. It's, it's that having that, that sincere belief in the God. And I sincerely do. And I've learned, I think, over time that whatever it is that I have put my mind to and decided that I wanted to do and to accomplish, it, it works out. And it works out in spite of any oppressive anything. Like I don't, I don't, part of a thing dealing with certain things is that I don't fear nothing and no one but God. So if you don't really have a fear of what somebody can or cannot do to you, I think that that's helpful in and of itself. And I believe, yes, studying and understanding human behavior. For me, I've spent a lot of time and not as a clinician, but just as somebody who has always studied human behavior and understanding people. And so I don't have, I've managed my expectations of others. And that, that has, I believe, helped me. Those are, those are things that I definitely use and I don't a no to me doesn't mean anything so if you tell me no then somebody else is going to tell me yes or I'm going to figure a way around you or around whatever circumstances and I've done that as it pertains to business I've done that I don't know, you know, when we talk about families and building families and everything, 
I just, I don't know. I, that's, that's the only thing that I can really come up with as far as uh, what I've done. I don't know if I'm really telling strategies or just my life philosophy, but <laughs> that's pretty much me. Continuing to just make sure that I'm humble. And knowing that as I walk through the valley of death, that I should feel no evil. And as I walk through the valley of death, basically meaning that even though I know I am a part of the world, but I'm not a part of it. I function in it every day. I can't remove myself so far that I'm out of touch with the people that I feel that I am here to help or serve. And so if I stay humble, humble, excuse me, and constantly am reminded of my purpose, then it helps me to also stay focused on the mission. I think it's, a, it's important uh, to make sure that I am always, as, as really pretty much what both of you said, in prayer, or at least in constant communication um, with my higher self. And relying on, you know, God, of course. But I think humility is a, is a big part of it because we live in a world where, yes, there's a huge gravitational pull. And it's coming and taking us in and out from every direction. And it can be very challenging to remain steadfast and on your posts and keeping a watch out, knowing that you have a work to do, knowing that you still have to be a parent, be a wife. Be a servant and being able to still balance things out. It is very challenging, but I think if I can remember, if I can always just keep it at, my, at the forefront of why I'm here and what am I here to do, then it helps a little bit because there are times, you know, where I really have to retreat. I may not be able to get on a plane and go somewhere, but I retreat often, you know, within my mind so that I can gear up to be able to face a new day. It's just, it's not easy at all, but I know it's something that is necessary. So here's an interesting question, ladies. Have, how do you feel like you are fulfilling your purpose? What do you believe is your purpose in this lifetime? What you over there doing? Cleaning Fulfilling your purpose. Fulfilling <laughs> purpose. This is a vanity purpose, so I'm cleaning my watch. Because <laughs> I got to change my nail color. My nail color. 
So I'm up here cleaning my watch so I, it can look good. It's, it's for vain reasons. <laughs> no, real talk. I mean, my my purpose is to, is to, of course, be the example that God wanted the black woman to be in the earth, and that is to be something of great value, to be the co-creator. And that purpose to me is to not just do that on the physical level, but to do it on the spiritual level as well. My job is to resurrect my brothers and sisters. I feel like I'm fulfilling that purpose of Royal Empress. I'm much happier now that we have started Royal Empress because as you as you teach others, you learn and you're grown. So as you teach others, they grow, but you also grow. And if you don't have growth, that's death, and that could be depressing. That's why a lot of people are depressed in a state of depression because they're not fulfilling their purpose. So you have to find your purpose. My purpose is to resurrect my people, and I'm doing that. So I'm. I'm very, very happy now. I feel like my purpose, hmm, do I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose? I believe that we have various purposes at various stages of our life. And that's honestly how I feel. And so I don't, so have I fulfilled certain purposes? I believe that I have. And I feel that there's still more for me to do. And there's still some purpose out there that's uh, yet to be revealed. Because we have different stages in our life and different things arise, different interests develop and different needs appear. Sometimes we don't know until we see it, what it really is. And I think sometimes you just know, you just feel it when the when when it presents itself you it's like uh oh a song in my head you will know anyway uh <laughs> you and those darn songs hey a song <laughs> popped in my head uh, but always yeah so my purpose for this lifetime i do not believe is singular i don't think that there is a singular purpose for this lifetime i think that in a lifetime that we have multiple purposes. And I think that there are probably still something out there that has yet to reveal itself. Yes, I do believe that part of my purpose is being an example for other women to understand that you can survive, you can do whatever it is that you desire to do, that you can be who you desire to be. And there are times when I feel like some of the challenges and obstacles that I've faced have been to be a testament for other people that you too can get through this. So I mean, you know, I really, I really feel that way. So yes, in terms of elevating and resurrecting other women, but yes, I think that that's definitely part of my purpose and yes, I believe that that is why we came together with Royal Empress, because I think we all had at least that particular purpose in common in, in that we wanted to be able to offer something to our sisters. And it's that whole thing of wanting for your sister what it is that you want for yourself. So, 
Yeah, so there is that. But I have so many things that I've had a desire to do and to be. And so don't just do it. Just do it. Just just know that there's nothing too big or too small. And I can honestly say, I mean, I still have a few things that, that are out there that I feel like I need to do, but for the most part, you know, most things that I've desired to do, I've done. So, and there's more to come. Well, well, <laughs> well, I love it. Um, I would I would agree a lot with um, what both of the sisters have said. That's the beautiful thing about being able to go last <laughs> is that you're able to hear and reflect on the words of those who come before you. And in the spirit of those who come before me, not only the sisters who just have spoken, my beautiful co-hosts, but I also think about the other women who have come before me, you know, my ancestors, you know, uh, who have had so many things that they were put here to do. I feel like I am an extension of that. I feel that God has given me or granted me the opportunity to continue to fulfill multiple missions of many that I don't even know. Um, and I say this because I really feel that um, there are some things that I know that I have fulfilled. For example, being in a position to birth into the world two beautiful sons and also be blessed to have a bonus son who I'm able to aid uh, a lot in helping to shape the minds of these young men so that they can one day be contributors to society, husbands, fathers. Um, that's just, that's one aspect of it. Um, an advocate for those who don't have a voice a defender who, for those who may not necessarily be in a position to defend themselves. Um, let's see, there's, so, there's a lot of things that come to mind. I feel that I can be a voice and even light um, to those who may not have a voice, for those who may not necessarily know the direction to go. So I like to say that I, I, one of my missions, or not missions, but one of my, um, yeah, missions, <laughs> is to be able to speak life, to speak light, and to speak love. That's just one of my models, is that I want to be found in whatever I do, pouring and breathing life back in to others. Like right now, you can hear me, I'm congested. <laughs> and so it's like, I need, I'm, I'm trying my best to breathe. So I'll use this as an example. Oftentimes we need support. We need someone to come in and help us so that we can open up our nostrils and breathe. And 
one of my missions in life is to be able to be that person, to be able to be that um, nebulizer, to be able to breathe life, love, light back into those who've lost it, to be able to sprinkle um, wellness over a community that may be suffering. And all of this is really done in the resurrection part of the business, which is what we all have been commissioned to do. But we all have our own little pieces of the puzzle that we bring together. So I am I am forever grateful for these two sisters here and us being able to come together to fulfill um, part of that mission together. Like you say, we have a question that was specific for you. And it says, do you or will you consider offering workshops on healthy eating practices? Wow, that's a great question. So the answer is yes and yes. Currently, uh, through the Center for Self-Improvement, I do offer um, workshops as it relates to healthy eating. Most of those are done individually, but in 2019, actually January of 2019, I have a, a whole package offering that's going to be rolled out called um, Becoming the CEO of Your Own Health. And it is a program that's really designed to be able to help those who are interested in doing just that. So often, you know, we are running around, you know, whether it's getting advice or just trying to really live a better lifestyle in terms of eating, diet, and so many other things. And I wanted to be able to provide a service where I could give a person the tools that they needed so that they could be their own doctors. Like right now, I'm doctoring myself, but I want us to all be able to have that. So listen up soon. And uh, it's going to be a really uh, great course offering. And I will also have future workshops in the very new, uh, their future uh, with the weather breaks, probably like spring. So listen up for them. Thank you for the question. All right. So I think we're going to take one last question. And... This one is interesting. The question is, is alcoholism really a disease? Can a person stop drinking if they wanted to? Hmm. Well, alcohol is, the, I mean, excuse me, diseases is this, um, defined as a particular abnormal condition that negatively affects the structure or function of part of for all of an organism, and that is not just due to an, that may not be due to an external injury. But humans look at diseases, a disease as any condition that causes pain, dysfunction, distress, social problems, or death. I think it sounds like a disease to me, <laughs> but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> just a spiritual one. I'm not a medical doctor, but a spiritual doctor. From a spiritual standpoint, I think it's a disease. I want to look at part two of the question, and that part was, can you stop drinking if you wanted to? And I think 
the immediate answer is yes. We can do anything that we desire to do if that's what we really want to do. The question I think is, do you have the belief in yourself that you can stop doing it? Do you have the actual desire to do, to stop doing it? So there are many things that, that we can do that if we set our minds to it and we put the effort into it, then we can stop. But it takes work, particularly if it's an addiction, if you're addicted to something and what is your motivation for stopping and what is your, what was your motivation to even start? Because most people that are, have become alcoholics, I believe have gotten to a point where they're masking something. And although there's some who just enjoy, <laughs> I think hanging out with people and, and, oh, and social drinkers. The social drinkers, but I mean, I guess a social drinker wouldn't necessarily be an alcoholic. An alcoholic is somebody who abuses alcohol. Well, some so social drinkers abuse it. They social thing is four or five times a week. Well, yeah, that, I think that can become abusive. So yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, but I think that definitely if, if you have a desire to stop doing something, you can stop doing it. I just think it takes work and it takes effort and it takes willpower. And sometimes you have to learn how to do it. That's, that's, that's my opinion on can you stop. And then as far as is alcoholism really a disease, there is definitely information out there that suggests that it is a disease. I was reading um, something earlier from a, a place for recovery for addiction and he talked about chronic diseases as something that you can't use a vaccine for that there's no known cure for that you know like like you don't in this well i don't know because there's there's some things out there that says that people can not inherit alcoholism but they can be predisposed to it so I think anything that affects you overall like that could be classified as a, as a disease. A lot of people drink for the buzz. I mean, people ain't drinking because they like the taste. People drink because of what it, how it makes them feel. So they don't just, they don't just stop with, I'm just gonna take this glass. And I'm, talking, I'm referring to the people who are heavy drinkers. They're not just going to take one beer or they're not going to take one glass or something. These people are drinking to the point they have no idea how much have they had. And just in my conversation with people, I ask them, why do you drink? And their number one answer is, I like how it makes me feel. So you're drinking to escape something. Or you're drinking because you feel so low of yourself, you need to elevate your thinking of yourself or maybe just of life. So for that's something spiritually wrong why why do you need to be elevated change your diet you know you get a rush from some natural sugar you get a rush from eating eating foods that give you minerals and vitamins that your body need if you're looking for some high you need to ask yourself why do you need to get that and how are you trying to achieve it to say that i, I like how it makes me feel not how it tastes 
but how it makes me feel. So your objective is to have your mind altered. There's something spiritually wrong with that. I agree with a lot of what both of you shared. Um, there has been a lot of uh, debate over that very question for years. This is not really new because for years um, when the question has been posed um, within the medical industry as well as mental health, that this continues to come up. People have done quite extensive research on the um, subject. And you have many who say, yes, it is. And those who say that, no, it's not. What I would say is that I believe, yes, in many ways it is a disease. And the reason I say this is because when I think of a disease, you know, there is the breakdown of the word dis and ease. When you dis or you're, I'm looking at the, the thought of disconnecting from something. People who are alcoholics have not only distanced themselves, but they have also disconnected from society in a way because they now have a dependency on something to help them function. And anytime you have to use something else to help you to function, that means that if that something is taken away from you, then you will have a major issue or challenge. For those who suffer from alcoholism, they are in a very uncomfortable place within their existence because not only have they fallen victim to a uncomfortable place in their life, but they actually are on a, almost like a um, treadmill where they're continuing, really barely continuing to function on something that becomes a never ending situation. When you think about ease, a disease means that you have the lack of ease. You have the lack of freedom to help to bring you to a place where you're comfortable. You've entered into a zone where you are other than who you've been created to be. So, yes, I believe that it's a disease. And I believe that a lot of us suffer from various diseases. So alcoholism is just one of them, you know, because there are many people who have addictions and who are addicted to many different things. And I believe that those can be considered diseases too. So it's not to single alcoholics out, but it is to say that, yes, it's a disease because it's difficult to, uh, it's difficult to make a comeback when you have not went through a proper chain of command. So like Akila, you mentioned earlier, will in having the desire. Those are things that have to be present to break the chain of an alcoholic. That has to, you have to have a will. You have to have a strong desire that outweighs the desire to continue as an alcoholic. 
or to continue to go after the lower desires. And in this case, it's alcohol. Anytime something affects you to the point where you there is a chemical dependency, and that's exactly what alcohol does, it's a dependency that your body has. So when you take it away, you know, this is why you see people who suffer, who are addicted, when you remove it, then their body goes through a relapse period. But their body goes through a period where they are, they find that certain movements are uncontrollable. They find that it is very difficult to survive because what chemically they have been dependent upon is no longer holding them up because the alcohol was being used as a crutch or buttress to support something because it took the place of something else. So in this case, you're talking about your, your, you have your liver. You have so many different parts of your body that are affected, your liver, your kidneys. So your body is pretty much breaking down every single day. And when your body breaks down, and because you have so many different um, functions of the body that are that work together, once a part of your body begins to break down, because it is dependent on the other part of your body to be supported, then you are looking at a separation. So this is why you have the dis and you have the ease. So I would say yes. Now, can you stop? I guess come out of that, as Akila stated, if you have the will to do so, if you have a made up mind, if you are strong enough, then yes, you can. But it definitely is going to take work, it's going to take time, it is going to take commitment, and it's also going to take for you to love yourself more than the alcohol. No. That was the final question. Just thanks again to everyone who submitted a question. And like I said, the questions that we weren't able to get a chance to respond to, we'll respond to either at a later date or one of us will jump online and answer that question for you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That's my Lachishay impression. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> we have we have enjoyed these last six months of this podcast. We reached over a thousand downloads on our Podbean. We're really excited about that, which we don't know what the total is. So clearly, there's more because of the other platforms that we are on. And uh, thank you for sticking with us this year. And we look forward to bringing you more conversations with the Royal Empress in 2019. So until then, happy new year. Peace. (laughs) Peace and blessings. We'll see you next year. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation.
for more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.